Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. God's up to something, huh? Yeah. Man, we've just seen like person after person in the last few weeks just touched by God. Maria's story, not only last week, she interrupted me, by the way. <laughs> no, you were, no, you were right. I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah, but not only for skin condition to be healed, but lupus also pretty phenomenal. Um, we've just seen God moving. And I, I, don't, I don't think he's done. I think he's just getting started. How about that? And so um, I think what he's looking for, though, is he, he's looking for people that understand what it looks like to walk both in his power and in his wisdom. You see, a lot of times we want God just to show up and fix everything. And and there are times when he does that, but actually what he's inviting us into is not simply to experience his power, but also to learn how to walk with him, to learn how to live with him, to, to learn what it looks like to partner with him for transformation. And so it's not just that we receive or even that we operate in the power of God, but that we also experience and walk in the wisdom of God. You see, the power of God brings transformation, but it's actually, it's the wisdom of God that sustains what the power of God establishes. And what God wants to do is he wants to to raise us up to be mature sons and daughters. You see, he started as a loving father with kids. That's where Adam and Eve were in the garden. And he's actually determined to finish as a loving father with mature sons and daughters. He's not interested in you being a dependent. He wants you as an interdependent. He wants you to be able to partner with him, to think with him, to learn, to walk with him. And if we're going to mature, then we have to do it in a way that we learn how to think with God, not just to think like God, not just to think our own thoughts, but actually, what does it look like to partner with him? And so we've been in a, in a short series, three weeks, called Thinking with God. And the first week, we talked about the, the, really the culture of, of the way that God thinks. You see, God's always full of hope. When, he, when you, we see impossible, he sees the possible. He's inviting us to learn how to think with him. And if we're going to learn to think with God, then we have to know how he thinks. And then last week, we talked about this uh, idea of renewing our mind. You see, your mind operates on a set of ruts. In fact, your thoughts take the path, the path of least resistance. You're processing even now about 10 million bits of information per second. And yet your conscious mind can only take in 40 to 50 bits of information in a second. And so what happens is your mind runs on autopilot. That's why sometimes you read scripture and nothing stands out to you because you're on autopilot. That's why so often we walk in a room and we don't notice a whole lot of the details because our minds begin to sort out the information we need to process and not process. Wives, that's why your husband doesn't know when you cut your hair. Because he's processing other information. Yeah, I'm trying to bail you and me both out, all right? 
And so what happens is our minds begin to process a certain way, and typically we learn to think with the world around us. That's why Romans 12.2 says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, because this world has a pattern of thinking. When a relationship goes bad, the pattern of this world thinks, well, I need to move on. Right? When somebody uh, is running out of money, the pattern of this world is not God's going to provide, but I need to get worried and work really hard. Right? And so there's, there's patterns and what the invitation, part of the invitation of the gospel is this, that, that yes, one day our destination is that we will go to heaven, and I'm excited for that, but our, our responsibility in this moment is that we would be a part of seeing heaven come to earth, that we would live in response to the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if we're going to do that, then we have to learn how to think with God, and that means that we have to learn how to renew our mind. So we talked about a little bit about renewing our mind. I want to talk with you now specifically around this idea of uh, a guy named Chris Vallotton calls it spiritual intelligence. And it, it really is this idea of learning how to think with God. And, and one of the things that I have a high value for us on the, the prayer team this earlier is that I'm not quite honestly a, a church guy. Like, I like good church meetings, that's awesome. But I, I really want to see the world around us transformed. Like if what we're doing here doesn't translate to what we do out there, then it's just religious and meaningless, right? And so for me, the idea of hearing from God is not a religious practice. It's got to work in the real world, right? The, the idea of thinking with God and learning how to solve problems his way, it, it can't just be something that, that works in spiritual settings, but it actually has to be something that we could live out in real life. So for me, about a decade ago, I began to practice what I would say hearing God's voice. For me, that's not an audible voice. We're all wired in different ways to hear from God. In fact, all of your senses are hardwired that you would be able to hear from God. So God will speak to you. He'll speak to you even in your thought life. He'll speak to you audibly. He may speak to you through smell, through touch, through taste, through sight. Like there's so many ways that God will speak to you. And so one of the ways, actually, I'll, I'll give you, uh, uh, if you want to dive more deeply into that, I made a master class. You can find it on our website and in YouTube. It's called Cultivating Life in the Spirit. And in that you can kind of discover how you're wired to hear from God if you go through the study guide. It's, it's really cool. So uh, I just want to throw that at you. It's a free resource that you can grow in what that looks like to walk in. But what I, what I was doing is I was learning how about a decade ago to hear from God. And so I had my, my niece at that point and two, my two nephews over, and uh, we were watching them for a while, hanging out with them, and I bribed them. I said, hey, if, if, if we do what we're supposed to do, then we're gonna give you a dollar when we go to Walmart. Now, this was pre-inflation, so a dollar went a lot farther. How many of you know inflation's bad if, if the dollar store has to raise their price to $1.25, right? That's bad. 
Oh God, bless our country. We need you in our world. So anyways, uh, so I gave them a dollar. Two of them found something that they could buy uh, at, at Walmart. And, uh, and one, we ended up going to the dollar store. And we bought this transformer, little like toy. And I, could, I can't believe that for a dollar, you can get that many pieces. <laughs> but it had a lot of pieces. So my parents were actually coming to pick them up. And we had lost the transformer's shield. And transformer is no good without the shield. And so we knew we lost it in the backyard. That didn't take spiritual intelligence to figure that out. We knew that was where it was. Uh, our, our IQ could get us there. Um, however, we could not find it. And so I remember when I did scuba diving training in high school, uh, how to do it, like a search grid. And so I had created like the search grid and we were trying to figure out where the shield was in the backyard. We had uh, no luck. And so... I'm learning to hear from God in this season. And so we just stop and pray. I said, God, you know where it is? Where is it? And he says, take two steps and look to the left. Took two steps, looked down to the left, and there it was. And I begin to realize in that moment, a little, you know, one cent piece of plastic begin to make me realize that God is interested in our everyday life. And that there is an invitation, if you and I will slow down enough that we can actually tap into his mind, learn to think, to process with him. Fast forward a little bit. Lauren and I were remodeling an old house. We uh, wanted new furniture, so I think we were trying to twist God's arm, so we actually gave away our living room furniture. And uh, so we were there sitting on the ground and looking for couches on Craigslist. And we found this couch that seemed like it would do. And so we said, hey, let's, let's just ask God if this is the one. And, uh, and so we're sitting there, I guess, on the ground. And, and individually, we're like, okay, God, is this, is this what we should do? And we both heard no. Now, the interesting thing for us is that for both of us, we actually wanted that couch. And so to be able to hear no meant this, that we had to lay down our opinions and trust the goodness of God over what we could see or want in that moment. You're gonna have a really hard time if you can't trust God is bigger than your desires. It's gonna be really hard to hear him. So we heard no. A few weeks later, or maybe a week later, we found this couch, now $75, way better than, uh, than the one that we were looking at. And we just knew God was on that. We didn't even ask, we just went and, and we bought it. So uh, we got that couch. I think we eventually sold it for like $800 uh, after we had worn it out pretty good. Yeah. Then fast forward maybe a year or two from that point, I'm with a guy that uh, I'm working for as an advisor and, and we're looking at a, uh, a, a business deal worth several hundred thousand dollars. And the truth is it was like, either, it's either yes or no. Like we've got all the information, it's like, but we gotta figure out how to, if we take a step or not. So we're sitting on the, the tailgate of his truck and we, I said, hey man, 
This is how I roll. This is, if you're asking me for advice, it's, it's really that there's not a lot up here. I'm just tapped in up there. And so we're just gonna ask God and I think he wants to speak to us. And so we're, we're both on the back of his tailgate praying and uh, we both got nothing. So I said, hey man, let's, let's just ask again. And I'll, quite honestly, I'm, I'm still skeptical. I'm, I'm learning not to be, but I'm still skeptical. So I'm like, man, you, you go first. You tell me what you heard. It's your money anyways, so. <laughs> sure enough, we both heard yes. Now that deal is worth probably over a million dollars for them now. I mean, just. And so my point is not about money, but my, my point is this, that I believe that God wants us to learn how to think with him, how to partner with him. And when we do, it puts him on display. Ephesians chapter three, verse 10, says it's his intent now that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. See, what God is wanting to do is he was wanting to deposit his wisdom into his people in such a way that everything in the spiritual realm understands who the real king is. And he wants to do it in such a way that it draws the world to him. Let me give you, when we talk about wisdom, the manifold wisdom of God, that word manifold means multifaceted. It means his wisdom on unique and brilliant display. I believe this, that the wisdom of God is the sustaining power of the kingdom, that its hallmarks are sustainable order, uncompromising excellence, divine insight and understanding, creative solutions, and awe-inspiring beauty. That when God's wisdom is on display, what happens is, is that it draws people to him. I, I love Go with me to 1 Kings. We'll, we'll look at a, a couple of different chapters in 1 Kings this morning. I love Solomon, who considered the wisest man to have ever lived. I love this exchange that he has with the queen of Sheba. Solomon was king over Israel. He was the son of King David. And he had a gift of wisdom that was unrivaled. It says, when the queen of Sheba, verse, uh, 1 Kings 10, verse one, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. Solomon answered her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers and the burnt offerings he had made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. For far too long, I believe that Western Christianity has operated without creativity and in a lack mindset, void of the wisdom of God. What I'm not talking about is extravagance 
that leads to indulgence. But instead, what I'm talking about is beauty that puts the king on display. She saw the robes of his servants and said, essentially, your God must be behind this. What would happen if that was in our work? What would happen if your boss said the, the excellence that he does his work with, there's gotta be something else there. The brilliance that she accomplishes those tasks with, with and the creative solutions that she brings points to the reality of something greater. Now, the reality for, for all of us is that we, we all have an IQ. Some of us maybe even in single digits. <laughs> but we all have an IQ. You know that your IQ is actually not the greatest determinant of your success. It's actually your EQ, your ability to relate to people. But I'd like to propose that your, maybe your, your SQ, your spiritual intelligence, gives you something beyond you. You see, I talked about this last week. Our phones have some capacity, right? But it's actually fairly limited. If you're like me, now I don't even get like more than one text message at a time because my, my memory is so full that it's like limited to here. But the power of my phone is not simply in what it can, can do on the programs that are in it, but it's actually what it can tap into. When we talk about spiritual intelligence, I believe that there's an opportunity for you and me to learn how to tap into a source that's greater than we could contain on our own. That we would be able to encounter and experience and live in the wisdom of God in such a way that we would put the brilliance of God on display. That in times of abundance, we would be able to operate like Joseph and know how to deal and prepare for what's coming. And in times of chaos, that we could operate like Moses and know what it would look like to get over a million people through a Red Sea. I believe that God wants to give his people wisdom that would put his glory on display. Let's keep reading. So this is her response. She said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true, but I did not believe these things until I came and I saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told to me. In wisdom and wealth, you have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be, how happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be the Lord your God who was delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. What she was saying is, look at what God has done through you. Oh, most of us have been taught that God came to Solomon, who was a young ruler, and said, hey, 
ask of me anything and I'll give it to you. And so Solomon asked for wisdom. So God gave him the gift of wisdom. And then he went on with life and did everything brilliantly that he did. That language is misleading. There's actually a little bit more behind the idea of wisdom than the word wisdom. If you go with me to 1 Kings chapter 3, we see this story. And I love the way that in this passage, the Amplified Bible uh, puts it. Let's see. You guys got it on the screen? Nope. Oh, there it is. And Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. Sorry, I have the NIV right here and I needed the uh, Amplified. Appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and God said, ask what shall I give you? Solomon said, you have shown to your servant, David, my father, great mercy and loving kindness as he walked before you, faithfulness, righteousness, and uprightness of heart with you. And you have kept for him this great kindness and steadfast love that you have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant instead of David my father. I am but a lad in wisdom and experience, and I know not how to go out, how to begin, or how to come in, how to finish. Your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people who cannot be counted for multitude. So give your servant, now hear this part, this is what I want you to get. Give your servant an understanding mind. Say understanding mind. And a hearing heart, say hearing heart, to judge your people that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to rule this, your great people. An understanding mind and a hearing heart. You see, the wisdom of Solomon was not in what he possessed intellectually, though he had a brilliant mind. The wisdom of Solomon is that he had the ability to hear God. How many of you have read Proverbs? It's brilliant, right? How many of you have read Ecclesiastes? It's the most confusing book in the Bible. (laughs) Why? Because Solomon did not follow his own advice in Proverbs, and he chased down women and entered into adulterous relationships. And if that wasn't bad enough, those women actually led him into idolatry. So he left walking with God. Ecclesiastes is in the Bible because of this reason, because it puts on display what happens to a wise man who stops walking with God. Side by side, you have some of the most brilliant sayings in Ecclesiastes and some of the most discouraging and meaningless sayings. Solomon in Ecclesiastes was a nihilist before that was an opportunity to be that. He goes on, everything is meaningless, right? Like that's not the way that God thinks. That's not the heart of God. But what happened is, is that he had unplugged himself from the source. His wisdom 
was not about a thing that he possessed, but it was about a relationship that he walked in. For you and I, the opportunity, the invitation is not simply that we would know more, but that we would know a person who would give us his insight on every single situation. And that we would learn how to walk with God in wisdom, in the, in the brilliance that he offers so that we could see his kingdom come. It's not about building a name for ourselves, but it's about seeing the kingdom of God come to earth as it is in heaven. And I believe that it's the heart of God that we would learn how to walk with him. And that's why renewing your mind is so important because as soon as you move from the place of faith into fear and worry, what happens is, is that connection gets interrupted. You start to listen to other voices. But when we learn how to renew our mind, we learn how to train our mind actually how to think with God. One of the uh, most interesting things in our day is that there are a lot of people out there who are doing things that seem like the kingdom, but they're actually witchcraft. I've had people ask me before, well, do you think that um, psychics are real or accurate? Absolutely. Are they always accurate? No. But are they accurate? Yes. And that's actually what concerns me about them. You see, it would be easy just to discredit them, but guaranteed in a room this size, there are people who here have seen psychics and actually experience some accuracy to it or tarot cards or uh, just all, all sorts of stuff that is in the New Age movement. The thing about the New Age movement is not that it doesn't have some things true in it, it's that it's connected to the wrong source. And so, if, if you know anything about the roots of the New Age movement, it actually was people who, who were wor- walking with God, who left walking with God, took the tools that they had learned and gleaned, and began just to tap into a different source. For you and I, the, the goal is not to, to read horoscopes or to... Uh, become psychics or to do tarot cards. In fact, I think there's a real danger. You're not just playing with something that's neutral. There's actually a darkness that comes with that 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 will begin to assault you. In fact, I just want to be really kind to you this morning and say if you've if you've been there, if you if you've gone there, then it's it's just worth saying, God, I I I repent. I want to turn from that, and I'll, I want to walk in your ways. And let me say this, if that's you, your attraction to those things isn't necessarily bad in and of itself. It's that you realize that you have an appetite for more. And what religion has done in fear and in the need for control is suppressed the supernatural and the realities of the spiritual realm so that we would just say, oh, that's not even real. The problem is people get outside of the church and they realize, oh, that stuff is real. 
and they find themselves in incredible danger because of the darkness connected to it. But what God is saying is, hey, actually, what I'm inviting you to is to partner with me, that I'll be your source and I'll give you everything you need. And, And so we don't have to fall for the counterfeit. Instead, we can enjoy incredible connection with God and the real thing. I believe that when we look at the world and the problems around us, anybody, you've you seen the news or a newspaper or anything lately? And you're like, man, this is going crazy. Just me. Okay, there's the seven of us, that's great. So for the seven of us, what I've realized is this, is that the world is needing solutions that it does not have access to. Now, it doesn't mean this, that you are necessarily tomorrow going to come up with a cure for cancer because of a dream that you had. Though that could happen, what God often does is he partners with us. And so we take responsibility for growing in our understanding, but we also walk with him in the middle of that. We don't separate our knowledge, our understanding, our education, our growth, our development from him, but instead we partner with him. And as we do, we learn how he thinks and how to bring his solutions into those places. And so it it may be that God's not giving you the solution for cancer, but he is showing you what it looks like to repair a broken relationship, to encourage somebody that's incredibly discouraged, what it looks like to budget your money in a wise way. What it looks like, even the right timing. We've seen God move our whole family forward because Lauren has taken a step of faith at several different occasions because she knew that God was saying, now's the time, step into this, do this, pray with these people, and then doors open up for us. I believe that God wants to walk with us in such a way that we put his brilliance on display. Amen? Amen? Amen. The key is this, that we would learn to trust him and that we would allow his spirit to be the thing that guides us. One of the primary ways that we do that is one, we give our life to Jesus. We don't say, hey, Jesus, you're an additive to my life. I'll, I'll just do you with church, you know, a few hours a week. But instead, Jesus, I give you my whole life. Confess that I've done my own thing, that I've sinned, that I've gone a different way, and now I'm choosing to walk with you. I give you everything. And then we receive what Scripture calls the baptism of his spirit. That word baptism basically means to saturate every fiber of your being so that you become full of him. This morning, I... I have the hunch that there's a handful of people here that you would say, man, I I know Jesus, but I I don't think I know his spirit. And it doesn't mean that his spirit's far off from you, that you don't even have it, but there is something that happens when our spirits become saturated with his spirit. And as that happens, one of the things that happens is that the spiritual world gets opened up to us that we begin to hear his voice, that we see him move through our lives in power. 
that we get let in on his life. I believe God wants to do that for you this morning. Our prayer team's gonna come forward um, and we're gonna close our, our time together with a, a song. But um, as, as they sing and as our team comes forward, if, if you're here this morning and you wanna say, hey, I just need to give my life to Jesus, or you're in a place where you're like, man, I, I, I need to surrender to the baptism of the Spirit that he would saturate me. Or maybe you're here and you need healing in your body. Our team, as they were praying earlier, they sensed that there was somebody here with scoliosis that God wanted to heal, somebody here with shoulder issues, and then somebody here with the foot. I think Sean's foot maybe already got healed this morning. Um, but maybe somebody else. Um, and so if, if that's you, if you've got need, here, let me, I just wanna share with you why we would share words of knowledge. That's what that's called is a word of knowledge. And it's, a, it's an invitation for what God's doing. It's not uh, a uh, restrictive word, meaning that God isn't doing other things or that if you, uh, if you need healing in another area that it's not available to you. But we know this, when God tells us what he's doing, it's very easy to partner with him in it. Now, I don't think it's a big deal to God whether you've got lupus or scoliosis or your heart's broken. If he can do one of those, he can do all of those. But that he, he oftentimes speaks those things to us so that it would stir faith in us to partner with him for it. And so um, if you need prayer this morning, then uh, I just encourage you to come forward. I want to pray for you as we, uh, as we finish up. Father, we just thank you that you're really good. Would you stand? Lord, I thank you that you are giving your people an upgrade. In fact, it's my belief for you this morning that God wants to give you an upgrade in your spiritual intelligence, that he wants to give you an upgrade in your ability to hear from him. Would you put your, your hands on your head? I just declare over you what Paul writes to the Corinthians, Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 2, that you have the mind of Christ. And Lord, I thank you that by faith, we get to live in that reality that we have access to your way of thinking, that we get incredible insight, incredible, incredible revelation, that creativity and excellence flows through us in such a way that it puts your glory, your kingdom on display. In Jesus' name, amen.